I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 830 on Monday, January 6th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show... With prisons on lockdown after a string of deaths, we take a closer look at the condition of Mississippi's Corrections Department. Plus, 10 years after a tragedy, new school bus safety equipment is being introduced in Mississippi. And after Bite Size Tech, a conversation with Senator Dean Kirby. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Prison systems remain on lockdown after more than a week of violent behavior at two state prisons and one regional prison. The violence resulted in five inmate deaths and several injuries. All five victims were killed by other inmates. Lisa Graybill is the deputy legal director for the Southern Poverty Law Center. She tells MPB's Ashley Norwood this outbreak of violence is unique to Mississippi. What is happening in Mississippi right now is unique to Mississippi. Um, amongst the southern states, uh, a number of them do have some of the same challenges as Mississippi, but Mississippi, I haven't seen an epidemic of deaths like this in, in such short sequence uh, in any other state in the time that I've been working in this region. Um, Mississippi has just abjectly failed to deal with some of the, the, the problems that are chronic um, in the region in terms of, of lack of staffing and lack of adequate medical and mental health care. And, you know, what, one of the things I think is a little bit unique is that the Mississippi Department of Corrections officials have acknowledged it. They know it, right? You have former commissioner or soon-to-be former commissioner, I guess she's still in office right now, Policia Hall begging the legislature for more money for staffing and the legislature, you know, turning down the request. You have um, Governor Bryan, at least on record, acknowledging that the prisons are understaffed and underfunded, and yet you have um, the legislature um, and elected officials refusing to do anything um, about it. When it boils down to agencies requesting for money during the legislative session, everybody wants more money for um, needs. And I'm wondering, is it just about money or are there other solutions for this issue? 
There are multiple solutions to this issue, and Mississippi started down a very constructive road in 2014 when it enacted a preliminary set or first set of fairly modest sentencing reforms intended to bring down or right-size the population in Mississippi prisons. Mississippi, like a number of other states, has suffered with the epidemic of over-incarceration, and there are far more people incarcerated in Mississippi's prisons than need to be there. Um, Public safety goals, as well as financial goals, could be equally well-served or better served by pulling down the prison population. So Mississippi enacted the set of reforms in 2014, and the population did, in fact, start to decrease. Unfortunately, Mississippi did not reinvest any of the savings from that decrease in population back into the prison system to support better care, better programming, better transition planning for incarcerated individuals being returned into their communities. Uh, And that was part of the plan for the 2014 sentencing reforms. On the, on the issue of, of, of the gang violence, what I think it's critical for people to understand is that gang violence doesn't, doesn't erupts because there is a vacuum, right? Someone will control uh, an institution or facility like a prison. It's the government's job to do that since it is housing these people in its physical custody. But in the absence of appropriate institutional control, gangs will take over because someone is going to run the institution. You know, you have some people that say, well, They've been inmates have been convicted of X crime, so they should be in prison. But then there's also the question about how are we taking care of those inmates? Well, and everyone who cares about uh, public safety should care about the fact that 95% of people who are incarcerated will return to their communities one day. So who do you want returning to be your neighbor? right, or your family member, somebody who received appropriate care where they were incarcerated, served their time, and is then released back into the community with a chance of being successful, or someone who's been so traumatized and so damaged by their time on the inside that they come out worse than when they went in. It's in everyone's interest for prisons to be safer and healthier places. It's absolutely in the interest of the people who work there, right? Part of the problem in Mississippi is that Mississippi can't retain enough staff. That is because the staff salary is so low. So money is, in fact, part of that problem. And it's also because the conditions are so dangerous. And that's a self-perpetuating cycle. Lisa Graybell is the Deputy Legal Director with the Southern Poverty Law Center. Lisa, thank you so much for talking to us about this issue. Thank you. Before we go to break, Mississippi senators have responded to last week's military strike against Iranian General Qassem Soleimani. On Friday, during her re-election filing event, Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith joined Senator Roger Wicker in expressing support of the president's actions. I have a, a great deal of confidence, not only in President Trump, but in his national security team, Secretary of State Pompeo, uh, Secretary of Defense Esper, and all of the national security advisors. So I can guarantee you that this was a considered decision based on weeks and weeks, if not years and years, of information and intelligence. Early this morning, we were watching uh, so many people supporting the president, and then you were watching people saying we should not have done this. The president told them exactly what would happen. He put the line in the sand, and they crossed over it. And uh, I am certainly supporting that. I'm eager to get back and uh, possibly meet with Mike Pompeo. I'm sure he will come brief us on this. But, you know, a serious situation, no doubt. But to have uh, strength and to have force, you've got to show it. And this is the United States. And uh, I am definitely supporting the move that they made. 
Coming up 10 years after a tragedy, new school bus safety equipment is being introduced in Mississippi. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. You're listening to Mississippi Edition. Ten years ago, Nathan Key was killed after being struck by a passing car while getting off his school bus. Now, Safe Fleet, a manufacturer of safety solutions for fleet vehicles, is introducing technology designed to prevent those types of accidents. Chris Akiyama is the vice president of school bus safety. He explains the predictive stop arm with our Michael Guidry. Uh, the predictive stop arm is a uh, radar-based uh, early warning system that is designed to uh, essentially monitor uh, vehicles coming both towards the bus from the front and the rear. Uh, It then calculates the speed and distance of those vehicles, and based on its predictive algorithms, it will determine if a vehicle is likely uh, to stop or not. And if a vehicle is likely not going to stop for the bus, uh, it will provide both uh, audible and visual notification to both the the drivers and the students uh, to step back from the street. So we're trying to create a essentially an early warning system to provide that student with an extra few seconds of time uh, to get out of the way when a vehicle is likely not going to stop for the school bus. What informs your research and development when developing this type of technology? Safe Fleet um, has been involved in providing uh, safety solutions for school buses for over 30 years. And with that 30 years of experience, Uh, We have a very intimate understanding of the application-specific issues within the school bus industry and ways that we can resolve it. Um, So we work very closely with all of the major uh, school bus uh, vehicle manufacturers. Um, We're uh, part of all of the um, national uh, groups uh, within the industry, Um, so the National School Transportation Association, uh, what they call NASDITS, which is the Association of State Directors of People Transportation, uh, and we're very intimately involved with those groups uh, to ensure that we have a very good understanding of, uh, of the issues and the needs within the, uh, the industry. We also have approximately um, 4,000 customers uh, across the U.S. We work very closely uh, with many of those customers to understand the needs and challenges and ensure that the products that we're developing uh, are going to meet those needs. And uh, lastly... How important was it for Safe Fleet to team up with Jones County Schools to introduce that technology on the 10-year anniversary of Nathan Key's death? I mean, I think I think it's of significant importance. Um, we at Safe Fleet we're very passionate about uh, student safety. Um, we're passionate about safety within the industry, and uh, we believe that uh, the type of work that uh, Jones County School District is doing to raise that level of awareness um, because a big piece, you know, a big piece of safety has to do with technology and preventing accidents. The other piece is education and advocacy. Um, so we want to ensure that we are participating and are heavily involved in any activity that is going to, uh, to reduce or, or, or raise the awareness of the importance to stop for a, a school bus. Um, Jones County is the first uh, school district in the state of Mississippi to to test the technology. 
We've been in conversations with other uh, neighboring school districts in Rankin and DeSoto, um, and we want to continue to advocate and get the word out, A, to prevent drivers from passing the stop school bus, and then in cases where we cannot uh, prevent them due to distracted driving or, or things of that nature, that we're able to provide that extra warning to students and drivers uh, that it's not safe to cross the street. Chris Akiyama, Vice President, Safe Fleet School Bus Division. We appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Thank you very much, Michael. I appreciate the time. Lori Key McJohnson is Nathan Key's mother. In 2011, she pushed the state legislature to pass Nathan's law, which increased penalties for driving past a stop school bus. She worked with Safe Fleet to bring the technology to Jones County. She tells us about her role and her continued efforts in advocating for school bus safety. I've looked at thousands of different um, pieces of safety equipment, whether it be something such as this, camera system. And we have not only state meetings with different companies that come in and we have the fairs, but we also do national. And I meet several of those and go through different equipment. Now, for them to come in and do this at this time, we actually chose to put it out at this specific time. However, um, we are not new to each other. Nathan's law was put into effect a couple of years after Nathan died. And I was wondering, are you happy with that law? Have we seen fewer accidents? Because what Nathan's law does is increase the penalties for those who um, kill or injure uh, a bus passenger. But it doesn't necessarily save that person, that child. So has it worked? Well, actually, it. It increases the penalties and fines for someone. However, if you read into that in depth a little bit more, it actually allows us to have external camera systems on school buses. And so, therefore, we're able to hold people accountable, whereas before, a law enforcement officer had to actually witness that. And if they didn't, no one would be held accountable for that. So now we are able to utilize external systems to be a cooperating witness to a bus driver in which can. So, yes, the motorists in the state of Mississippi understanding that they can now be held accountable and it's not as easy to get away with you, it, it has actually decreased the number of illegal passing. Well, that's really good to hear. Can you tell us, too, other ways that you're advocating for bus safety in the state? Absolutely. We go through and different school districts, we actually educate the students, kindergarten through third grade, which within Nathan's Law is required a curriculum um, to be in the school systems, kindergarten through third grade. So we will go in and assist, um, educate those students on school bus safety rules. We go in and help with school bus driver training, in which they have to do, which is a requirement um, for their state certification to even be a bus driver. So we assist in that. Um, we speak at different law enforcement meetings um, with judges and things of that nature just so we can keep everyone up to date and educated and even motorists. We will go in and, in certain environments and discuss what laws have changed. And you're doing all of this while you have a job. Yes. <laughs> so this is something you're quite passionate about, obviously. Absolutely. 
Lori McJohnson is an advocate, as you've just heard, and she's the mother of Nathan Key, who was five years old when he was killed after getting off a school bus and someone in a vehicle passed that school bus. Lori, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Coming up after Bite Size Tech, a conversation with Senator Dean Kirby. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Welcome to this week's Bite Size Tech. I'm Jay White. How often in the news have you heard the term algorithm used with regard to the ever-changing operations on websites like YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter? Oftentimes, just the slightest tweak of the algorithm used by social media sites with millions of users can have an impact of millions of dollars in revenue. But what exactly is an algorithm? Everyday tech experts Wilts Cotrer and Jeremy Thompson have the answer. I have to proceed this by saying I'm visually impaired, so I can't look things up. I don't have internet. What in the world is an algorithm? I had high school algebra. I had a friend to look it up, and the best thing I could compare it to was like it might have been a probability towards solving a problem, but what is it? Math formula. Yeah, what they're going to do is they're going to use statistics and probabilities based on what you like, who your friends are, what your friends like, how often you comment and like certain things to figure out who else you may have things in common with, what other businesses you may have things in common with. Hey, you liked this movie, so you may also like this movie. Okay. So a lot of algorithms, are, they're going in there and it's basically trying to predict things that you like going forward based on things that you've done in the past. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it yeah. sounds like a probability of putting you on a stream of things, like a stream of preferences. It's kind of like, I think, That's a good way to put in the old days, yeah. they used to check what kind of things you checked out at the library and figured stuff out that way. Very much so. It's kind of like if you if you liked this author, here are some other authors that may be in that same genre or write in that same style that you may also be interested in. A good way to discover things that you may not have otherwise discovered. Thank you, because I, I mean, national media. They just, well, I listen to public radio a lot, and, and I do. Oh, thanks. I am able to watch the news on TV, but they just don't return it, and you have, and I appreciate it. Well, yes, ma'am. We appreciate you. Bell, thanks for the call from Yazoo City this morning. And yeah, uh, I mean, Jeremy, we hear about algorithm and how Facebook changes their algorithms. I hear about how like, YouTube changes their uh, revenue algorithms for their users all the time. That's been a big, big deal for a lot of content producers. It was, it was originally called Face Mash, and it was just this thing they were doing on campus to rate uh, girls, um, like, hot or not type thing. And the original algorithm was uh, created to, uh, to show the expectation that girl A was going to be the match versus girl B. That was, that was where the whole thing came from, but it was just a small math formula that was determined by Eduardo Saverin to, to see how they could rate the girls. That's all it was, originally. (laughs) And the monster was born. For more technology conversation or to have your personal tech problems addressed, listen to MPB's Everyday Tech. The show is on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and the MPB Public Media app, free in the iTunes and Google Play stores. And, of course, listen weekdays at 10 right here on MPB Think Radio. 
Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash car tag. We'll see you on the road. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The 2020 legislative session is slated to begin this week. When the Senate convenes, Republican Dean Kirby of Rankin County is expected to be voted in as the next pro tempore. He talks with our Desiree Frazier about his anticipated role and what he's looking forward to this session. I'll tell you one thing that I'm extremely, really excited about our new senators. We have 15 new senators coming in out of the 52. And every one of them, I mean, every one of them seem to be more than qualified and every one of them uh, are coming in with a great deal of energy and want to make a difference. And uh, and I'm excited about that. So I, I think with the uh, I really believe with the knowledge of those returning and the enthusiasm and the excitement and the energy of the new ones coming in, I think we'll have a great session. How does that work? Do you express interest or does someone kind of give you a call and say, is this something that you would consider? Well, yeah, well, of course, I've been chairman in the past. I was chairman of insurance for 12 years, chairman of finance for four years, and then I've been chairman of public health for the last eight years. So, uh, And I've been on most every uh, major committee. Well, I have been on every major committee. I've been on almost every committee in the Senate during the 28 years that I've been here. Uh, and so, of course, doing that, I think the, a lot of the senators realize that uh, as far as experience, I'm number two in seniority now behind Hob Bryan uh, from Amory, a good friend, uh, behind him and, and uh Anyway, uh, I've just made a lot of friends, and uh, I think they've learned that they can trust me, that I'll be honest with them and try to help them in every way I can. And so I had several of them uh, actually uh, have been for some time asking me to to run for pro tem. And so uh, uh, when I spoke with the lieutenant governor, uh, the incoming lieutenant governor, uh, he asked me, was I interested in it? And I told him I was, and he at that time said, I think it would be wise if you were to uh, make phone calls and see if you can get their support. And uh, that's exactly what I've done. And I, uh, luckily, I have support of all 51. And so now it just takes a, a, a formal vote to finalize it. That's right. On the first day of session, the first thing we do is we come in, call the row, uh, and then we're uh, and and uh, after that we'll of course do the the uh, prayer. We do, we start every day, every session, every day uh, with prayer. And then after that, uh, you know, the pledge of allegiance. And then we'll uh, adopt the rules and we'll immediately elect a pro tem. What does that person do? Wow, a pro tem does a lot of things. A pro tem's uh, kind of a. Uh, go-between guy between the governor, I mean, the, excuse me, the lieutenant governor and the senators. Uh, he works with the senators to help with them with uh, their legislation he, or any other problems that they may have. He works with the uh, secretary of the Senate uh, and 
to make sure that the staff is happy and doing those type things and uh, and presides over and a lot of other things, but uh, chairman of the rules committee uh, uh, and uh, presides over the uh, Senate when the uh, lieutenant governor's not uh, not there or in a meeting or whatever. So whenever he can't be there. Uh, I'm excited about it. Let me tell you, our new lieutenant governor is an energizer bunny. This guy has more energy. I mean, we're about the same age, and I'm telling you, I don't have the energy that he does. I wish that I did. Uh, but, yeah, he, he's a uh, true workaholic. He, he believes that he's supposed to work, and he thinks everyone around him is supposed to work. And I'm excited about that because I like to work myself. Will you be introducing any bills, or you no longer do that in this role? There, there will be. Uh, I'll have some legislation, of course, but I'll be a lot in the management-type position more uh, than I was or ever have been, and so I won't have time to do those. And I'm, I hope to be busy helping the others get their legislation passed. Senator Dean Kirby is a Republican from Rankin County. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.